there are a, a number of things uh, that I want to talk about uh, this morning. Uh, many people have been asking me uh, questions regarding the current health crisis that uh, our nation and the world is going through. And um, uh, normally we uh, take where we left off uh, in our previous study, pick up right there and move on in what we call that, you know, a verse by verse study through the Word of God. Um, the issue I want to deal with this morning, uh, many people have come to me over and over in different ways and different levels and expressed things and I just want to take the opportunity to address some of that this morning. So let's pray and then uh, we're going to begin in 1 Timothy chapter 1 uh, this morning. Lord, we thank you uh, for the opportunity to uh, be in your word, and while we're unable to gather together, uh, perhaps even uh, later someone will watch this video and uh, get something out of it that will minister to them and build your kingdom in their heart and create peace in their lives. I pray, Lord, that this would be fruitful to your purposes and your kingdom as we take this time to look at what you have written through your servants. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So, um, again, we want to look at 1 Timothy chapter 1. Now, I, I've had conversations with several people, some of them more detailed than others. Um, so, I want to be clear as I take the time to discuss this, that I'm not uh, doing this because of one particular person or one particular conversation. Uh, what I'm recognizing is that many people have these questions and uh, these concerns and thoughts, and uh, it's necessary uh, to address them from the Word of God. Not that I'm the ultimate authority or anything like that, but that uh, it's in enough people's hearts and minds that you come to a point where you realize that uh, you know you should take the Word of God and apply it to the thought, to uh, the circumstance. So uh, what I'm going to address uh, directly is uh, a lot of conspiracy um, thought that I I'm running into. Uh, a lot of it is in connection uh, with the coronavirus, uh, some of it is to do with other things. But many people have sent me emails, text messages, had one-on-one uh, -on -one conversations uh, focusing around, you know, where did the, the COVID virus come from? Uh, you know, was it, you know, something that the Chinese government uh, created? Was it this professor from Harvard who was working with the Chinese government? Is it, you know, the Wuhan laboratory and all the, the viral research that they're doing there? In the end, we don't know. Now, I'm not saying it's not known. I'm saying we don't know. We, we end up being the victims of all of these conversations and all of these theories we, we may have, you know, some more accurate information, some less accurate information. We're thousands of miles away. We're not on the inner circles of those discussions. No one involved us in any of these things that have been developed. And, and from there, the tentacles of that conspiracy reach out into everything. What's going on in our government? What does a particular political party have planned? How is it that they're carrying these things out? Does that extend back to you know the Rothschild family? The you know the Federal Reserve. You know is it something to do uh, with the Illuminati? I'm not mocking any of it. What I'm saying is that once we get inside that way of thinking, it's an ever-expansive thought process. And the, the legitimate question, you know, how much should we as Christians, as believers, think about that stuff, be involved with those things, research that stuff? I have seen that it affects all of us profoundly. 
Uh, Those that get involved and start reading, and I mean, if you end up on the internet and you start reading, then there's an endless stream uh, of, you know, supposed information out there to be touched and affected by. So, I want to just, now that I've sort of put that on the table, let's set that aside if we can for the moment, and let's take a look at something that Paul says to this young pastor, uh, Timothy, uh, that Paul has trained and discipled and uh, sent out in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1, uh, Paul says, Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the commandment of God, our Savior, and the Lord Jesus Christ, our hope. So, if we put some personal application in that whatever our name is you know apostle uh, you know representative emissary one who has been sent out to represent that's all of us uh, we you know hopefully know the great commission uh, which tells us to go into the whole world and make disciples of all men so we've been sent out and commissioned in you know maybe even the identical way that the Apostle Paul is by God and our Savior, Lord Jesus Christ, who is our hope. Uh, Very important to focus on that, that our hope, our focus is Jesus Christ. Our focus isn't, you know, these other conspiracies and things that we can lay our hands on and wrap our minds around. So, Within that, I just want to point something out. The idea of the conspiracy and what you can know. There was a movement that began to develop in the early days of Christianity. The movement already existed of the Gnostics, but it began to uh, develop inside Christianity and sort of pollute and influence and take over Christianity. And it was focused around, Gnosticism was focused around the idea of knowledge. Uh, you know, the, the Greek word, gnosto, to know, uh, they had the mentality of uh, having divine knowledge and being able to impart it to their followers, their disciples. Uh, you, know, you had to join the club, you had to know the secret handshake, you had to be part of the inner circle. You know, it's some of the earliest days of you know, what we might have thought of as the Illuminati, you know, their their elite uh, group of people who have special knowledge. Connected to divine knowledge was what they taught people. All of it was false. It was self-indulgent, prideful hypocrisy. And, And it was polluting Christianity. John writes about it very specifically, uh, addressing uh, at least the teachings of Gnosticism very directly. He doesn't mention it by name, but, but he combats the teachings, uh, especially when you get to 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John. He has a lot of things to say there, uh, you know, uh, addressing the fact that they thought Jesus was not a real person, uh, that he was a phantom. You know, John assures us that uh, he's writing to us as believers about the things they have seen and handled, touched. Talks specifically about Jesus eating, uh, which the Gnostics said that he did not do. So, you know, he, he was counterbalancing uh, the false teachings with the truth of what they had experienced in Jesus, directly addressing the false teachings. So, our message is the hope of Jesus Christ. It's not special knowledge. It's not conspiracy. It's not the unknowable thing that we're now presenting to uh, our fellow Christians in order to make them more informed, uh, better them, or build them up. Our message is Jesus Christ, Him crucified, buried, resurrected, uh, the hope of our own resurrection, forgiveness of sins, eternal life, the gospel message, what has been historically the message of Christianity for all of these centuries. So that is our message having been sent out by God. He addresses the fact in verse 2 that he's writing to Timothy, a true son in the faith. He gives 
these greetings of grace, mercy, and peace. Uh, all very standard in the time uh, as far as how uh, the Greeks and the Jews greeted one another. But this grace, mercy, and peace is from God our Father and Lord uh, Jesus Christ or Jesus Christ our Lord. So our message that is Paul's message here is the grace of God, uh, the unmerited favor, his mercy and forgiveness extended to us, which creates peace. That's the encapsulated message of what Paul was preaching, what he's encouraging Timothy to preach, and what we're called to preach. Now, if, you, if you're thinking that this is just you know, some Bible study and doesn't have any real application to the uh, uh, subject that I've started with, uh, follow uh, some of these remaining verses and see what it is uh, that you have been called uh, to do uh, not only in the world, but at this time in the world. He says in verse 3, As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, that you may charge some that they teach no other do doctrine. So, as believers, our only message is the gospel that uh, Paul has very clearly laid out for us uh, throughout the New Testament, and particularly here. Uh, the grace, mercy, and peace of Jesus Christ our Lord. That, that is our message to the world that is wrestling with you know, uh, social distancing and COVID virus and uh, you know, political pressures and an upcoming election and you know, civil unrest. Our message is grace, mercy, and peace from our Lord Jesus Christ. It's, it's not that combined with other things. It is the pure message of Jesus Christ and what he produces in our lives. I urge you that you know when I went to Macedonia, remain in Ephesus, so stay where the Lord has planted you, right? A lot of people are uh, obeying the fear in their heart and considering, what do I do now? You know, do I pack everything and bug out to, you know, the bunker in the woods or, you know, and some of that might be a serious consideration for certain people, but how much more effective to stay in the community that we are with this so valuable message of Jesus Christ and share it with the world. The prime time right now, remarkable that uh, people are ready to hear the gospel. I was standing in a store paying for gas just a couple of days ago, and the gentleman next to me said something about, you know, can, can you believe uh, the world, or I forget how he phrased it, but, but I said, yes, you know, like positively biblical. And uh, he said, yeah, it is. And so as we walk out of the store, I'm sharing the gospel message with him. You know, as an unbeliever, his heart has been readied to receive the gospel by the catastrophe that he's surrounded with. So, you know, consider that uh, we're in a prime place at a prime time uh, to share this doctrine that has been imparted to us through the scripture. With that, no other doctrine. We don't need to add anything to it. You know, it's very easy uh, now that the people are so afraid and there's a growing fear to add fear to that message, add information that we can't verify to the message of Jesus Christ. We pollute the message of Christ when we do that. I, I'm not trying to say, you know, you know, for everybody that's into those conspiracies, you know, I start talking like this and they argue with me as though I'm saying that what they're saying is not true. Uh, all I can say is I have no idea, which if they're honest, that's the truth of where they're at too. It's, it's not as though they're part of the conspiracy and can confess it to us as though they were. Uh, they, they're just infatuated with it and spreading that around to whoever will listen. Our message is the doctrine of Jesus Christ. He, he goes on to say in verse 4, nor give heed to fables 
and endless genealogies, which cause disputes rather than godly edification, which is in faith. So, disputes, arguments, rather than building up, that term edification, in godly faith. That needs to be what our hearts and minds as believers want to do. Rather than arguing, which I can't speak for other people, but for myself, uh, you know, I see what James is saying about our own wickedness, our own pride, and how it creates conflict. Uh, you know, if I think I'm right and I'm going to, you know, defend my position to the death, uh, it's usually rooted in pride. Uh, the fact that I think I'm right or I know I'm right and I'm going to hold my ground at all costs. Uh, it's very ungodly when we behave like that. Our, our, our message, especially when it comes down to what is it that we're preaching to the world, our message is one of hope. Our message is one of love. Our message is one of grace. We don't need to be concerned about all of these other things. You know, when I finally get through to certain people on this message, there's a disappointment very often because, you know, they're looking at it like, oh, well, this is like so entertaining and so, you know, uh, like tasty. It's, you know, it's like a salty subject. So I really enjoy this. Yeah, it's, it's something like Proverbs says, like a gossip or a rumor that goes down. You know, you consume it like a tasty truffle. You know, it's something that, that goes in and, and tastes good, feels good. The experience is enjoyable within that. So you're saying what? The Word of God is bland and, and the message is bland in comparison uh, to these conspiracies and other things. That sounds a lot like what the children of Israel were saying when the Lord had delivered them out of Egypt as they are you know, eating manna and they begin to complain. And what, what is their remark? Oh, you know, if we were back in Egypt... We had such good seasoning there. You know, there was the onions and the leeks and we had garlic and, you know, things tasted. But yet you're eating food sent directly to you from heaven and now you've lost your appetite for that and you're looking for something that's more savory of the world. Our satisfaction needs to come from God's word. Be careful how our sinful hearts embrace uh, those things that don't come from His Word. This doctrine that we have, you know, it needs to be true, not fables, endless genealogies, which cause disputes, arguments, rather than godly building up, edification, which is in faith. That's what we need to be doing in one another's lives, hearts, and minds. Look at verse 5. Now, the purpose of the commandment is love from a pure heart, from a good conscience, and from sincere faith. So, break that down in regard to the doctrine that we're supposed to engage in, uh, the fables and endless genealogies and arguments that we're supposed to stay away from, the building up of godliness and faith that's supposed to be taking place, the motivation is supposed to be agape, unconditional love, a, a pure love, you know, the pure heart uh, that's described there is the one of unconditional love from a good conscience. In regard to the conspiracies, I can't have a good conscience about sharing the conspiracies because if I'm truthful, I don't really know any of those circumstances. You know, the details of my life and the things I've been through, I can share with you with a clear conscience, good, bad, or ugly, because I've experienced them, I know them, they are truth. These other circumstances that I really don't know anything about that have been growing now for hundreds of years, by the way, you know, these aren't new theories, aren't new uh, uh, conspiracies. It's, it's just being repackaged for our current setting. Uh, you know, what we're called to do, uh, 
I have a clear conscience about Christ's work in my life, Christ's work in the lives of the people around me. I can share that with the world without any hesitation, without any concern over whether it's going to be proven and verified as true or false, because it is true. The conspiracies, I've got no way of saying whether these things are going to come true, whether they are true, whether any of it is fabricated. Maybe the people who are generating the conspiracy theories themselves are the ones who are causing them. We have no idea. That's what I'm getting to is we have no idea. We do know about God's Word. We can stand upon this as a verifiable truth in in the world around us and in our own lives it diminishes the value of the truth to embrace those things which we cannot verify the good conscience from sincere faith Uh, many of us that have studied uh, the scripture for some time know that that term sincerity it comes uh, from a a greek statement uh, phrase uh, meaning without wax the uh, potters of the day, if they fired uh, a piece of pottery and it cracked, they had a method by which they could mix clay with wax and pack it into the, the, the crack of that piece of pottery and then sell it as though there were nothing wrong with it. And you wouldn't discover that it was broken or cracked until after you had put, you know, heat you know some hot liquid or something in it that would uh, melt the wax out of it or destroy the wax that had been placed in it so you would discover the flaw the crack later so potters would advertise when they were selling their wares as being sincere without wax i can't promote any one of these conspiracy theories without saying Eh, there might be some cracks in this. There might be some flaws in this. There might be some holes in this. Because I really have no idea where the truth begins and where the lie ends in any of those things. I can say definitively of God's word that it is sincere. It's without wax. It's without flaw. It has nothing in it that we need to be concerned about. Our message that we share with the world, we we need to go back to what Paul is saying in verse 3. As I urged you when I went into Macedonia, remain in Ephesus that you may charge some that they teach no other doctrine. I'm charging you, fellow Christian, to stop. To preach the gospel, you diminish the value of your gospel message by simultaneously sharing the conspiracy. Stand in the truth that is God's word without sincerity and give the world the hope that they need. You don't need to preach the counterfeit also. Uh, From which some, verse 6 says, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk, You know, some of the people that I've talked to about this have literally said to me, well, I just enjoy it as an entertainment conversation. I've actually heard that a number of times. That's a very dangerous thing. When we're saying something that could potentially be a lie and we're promoting it because we like the entertainment of it. We're not called to share that message. From uh, from which some, having strayed, have turned aside to idle talk. And here's the motivation for those that will do it. Desiring to be teachers of the law, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. That's, that's a painful thing to embrace if we're a person who's gone down these roads of conspiracy and this message is cutting us to the heart. It's, it's difficult to realize, oh, uh, and let's be clear, the desire to be a teacher is from God. He's given us gifts and communication capabilities and an ability to study, read, and understand, and we're using that instead to pursue something other than God's Word. This is a big thing in our 
Christian culture within the church today. And it needs to be avoided. Desiring to be teachers, understanding neither what they say nor the things which they affirm. I'll, I'll divert away from this. It's same subject, but a different course within the discussion for a moment. What I recognize within this whole conspiracy theory movement inside Christianity, because the world has its own conspiracy theory movement separate from this. I'm addressing Christianity uh, within this discussion. But within this movement inside Christianity, I wonder if you're recognizing that it is creating a distrust of our government. You know, the minute I say that, there are a bunch of people who, who bristle over the thought of, of having to be accountable to uh, the government. I, I would ask you to turn over to Romans chapter 13 with me. You should know this passage very well as a believer. Romans chapter 13 verse 1 says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. Now, look, probably by now, some of the people who are into this mentality have already shut off uh, my message. They're no longer watching or listening. But if you're hanging with me, I want you to think about this for a minute. Uh, even the worst of the authorities that have been in place in our governments have been appointed by God. Are you embracing that idea? Is that your thought? Is that where you are? The scripture is very clear that no authority is put into place without God's authority. I have a hard time embracing that idea myself. I mean, some of the things these people... Don't, don't mistake it. Right? When their vile, lying, hypocritical, murderous leaders, God isn't endorsing any of that behavior. But God has allowed for them to rise to the position of power that they are in. Otherwise, the scripture is false. What we're reading right here is false, and we should not listen to it. Every single authority that's in place, God has put it in place. Follow what's said here. Romans 13, verse 1, read it again. Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. So there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. If you think the government we're experiencing right now, or any of the governments of the world that the world is experiencing right now, are exceptionally evil and couldn't possibly fit within the parameter of what Paul is saying here, remember that Paul is saying this and writing this at a time when Rome is in control of the world. One of the most wicked, one of the most vile, one of the most Christian persecuting uh, organizations that has ever existed. I mean, con conspiracy theories abound uh, around the history of the Roman Empire. Incredibly wicked in all of its conduct and behavior. We have no question uh, about that now that we know the fulfillment of those things from history. Paul is saying to the Christians of his day, those authorities were put in place by God and you need to be subject to them. Follow what he says in verse 2. Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God and those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. Resisting the authorities, the Roman authorities of the day, you're going to bring judgment upon yourself. You know, take into account that uh, Jesus is saying to the Roman soldiers who were known for being especially manipulative and violent, uh, they, they uh, asked him, you know, what should we do as Roman soldiers, as far as being Christians, Jesus does not say to them, you need to you know, give up 
your position. You need to renounce the Roman Empire and depart from your service as a soldier. That's not what he says even remotely. What he does say to them is that they need to be content with their pay and not extort people. Don't use your position of power in an abusive way, is what he says to those men. Uh, Think about the occasions where Jesus Christ is met by leaders of those Roman soldiers, right? As these centurions come to him and he ministers to them and they minister to him And he, even on that one occasion, points out to the crowd that he's never seen stronger faith, even amongst believers in his day, than the one centurion who came to him and said, I am a man under authority, and therefore I understand authority. Jesus stops the whole discussion and says, everybody needs to pay attention to this faith right here. We, we need to understand the authorities that are in place are put there by God. And we're called as believers to be in submission to them. If not, then the judgment that comes upon us, we're bringing that judgment upon ourselves. I'm going to address in, a, in just a moment the issue of obeying God rather than the authorities. So don't think that I don't know those passages or I'm not going to address them. We'll look at them specifically. Verse 3, continuing here for the moment, says, For rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. If, if you are driving down the road and you see the police officer and you slam on the brakes and have to correct your speed. The reason that you have to do that is because you're prone to speeding. If you're a person that's prone to looking for the speed limit signs and obeying the laws of the road, then you don't have that automatic fearful reaction to the presence of the authority within your environment. Our lives need to be, as believers, our lives need to be constructed around the submission to the authorities and the laws and rules that they've posted. Rulers are not a terror to good works, but to evil. Do you want to be unafraid of the authority? Do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. The conspiracy theory is generating inside the hearts and minds of Christians within the church that the government is something to be feared and distrusted and even disobeyed. That can't be our motivation. That can't be our message. That we're, we're even indirectly causing people to think and feel this way. Our behavior has to be that we're encouraging people to have a submissive heart to the authorities that God has put in place within our culture and within our culture, uh, country. I'm still going to address uh, obeying God rather than men in, in just a moment. That's not escaping me. For he, uh, speaking of the one in authority, he or she is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister. Are you thinking about it like that? Are we thinking about it like that? That they are God's ministers? These ones? Oh, well, I'm talking about like, you know, the deep state things. You know, the the secret things. No, no, you're generating, we are generating in people's heart a distrust for the authorities that are in our culture. There is a conspiracy, if you're not aware of this, if you haven't dialed into that, but it's beyond the human realm. The the grand conspirator himself is Lucifer. And he's the one that's creating fear and creating distrust and creating hatred in the human race. We serve a different king. We serve a different kingdom. We serve a different message. When we submit to these even wicked men who are in places of authority, wicked women that are in places of authority, what we're demonstrating to the world is that I trust God. I trust God literally with my very life. I'm not talking about a lay down and die and submit attitude. 
If, if it comes time for us to rise up and stand and defend the innocent and the weak, that will be very obvious when the day comes. Uh, right here, right now in our culture, as believers, being part of the fearful message, that's cooperating with our enemy. That's helping Lucifer in his process. I won't have any part of that, and I won't encourage others to do the same thing. Uh, these are put here with the sword, as it you know, says, he's God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid, for he does not bear the sword in vain. The gun, the military, he, he doesn't have uh, access, authority, and control of those things for a vain, empty reason. God has given them those positions of power. An avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. If we do not practice evil, if we are a submissive, obedient, Christian community, then we don't have to be concerned about these things. Uh, the Lord will bless our lives and protect us when those moments of conflict come, if they do eventually come. Those that are resistant and disobedient are going to experience their punishment. 13 verse 5. Therefore, you must be subject, not only because of wrath, the punishment that they can pour out physically, but also for conscience sake. Now that you've heard this, if you've never recognized it before, this is God's mandate to believers, and now you have to be submission, in submission to these authorities uh, for your conscience' sake, so that you don't have to have that uh, guilt uh, within your mind of uh, not obeying what the Lord has called each one of us uh, to obey and to do. So, uh, you know, not only for fear of punishment, it also the conscience sake for because of this you also pay taxes for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing uh, this is why we're supposed to pay taxes it's interesting to me to meet believers who uh, don't want to pay taxes now, don't get me wrong I, I hate giving my money uh, to other people like that uh, and especially when I see them supporting Planned Parenthood and you know other things of that nature. I, I give my money, all of it, the way it should be, in taxes to those authorities. And if they misuse them, they're going to be judged by God. If I don't give them the way that I'm supposed to, then I'm going to be judged by God. Because He's called me to do so in obedience. And if I resist Him then I'm now in conflict with God, which also puts me in conflict with the authorities that He's placed over me. I think that you know the next verse summarizes this very well. We're going to go look at a couple of other things quickly, but render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, Customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. When we get wrapped up in these conspiracy theory mentalities, then we are directly and indirectly not rendering the respect and the reverence due to God, most importantly, and to the authorities that he's put in place. Uh, the things that we're never going to know, never going to be able to verify. It, it doesn't matter how much information we find out there. In the end, we're not the ones who are part of those things unfolding. We're speculating without knowledge. It, it, it's <laughs> So many people that, that support this mind frame then want to grab other people and say, well, this person verifies, and this person verifies, and this person verifies. Think about it in regards to our faith. You take other areas of our belief system, and we reject wholesale 
what the crowd believes. But when it comes to the one thing that we want to hold on to, because there is a great host of people who've added themselves to the verification of the suspicion, we therefore justify the belief in it. It needs to be grounded in truth, not simply an unfounded belief. You might want to take a look with me at Acts chapter 5, verse 29. We've discussed this a couple of times. Now it comes to addressing Peter being told that he has to stop preaching. In verse 29 of Acts chapter 5, Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Now, I'll be clear, right now, uh, some pastors uh, have refused the suggestion and are continuing to have church uh, throughout uh, you know, this social distancing uh, thing that our governments have put into place. They're going to have to answer for themselves. <clears throat> uh, you know, I have been given this opportunity to communicate with the body of Christ in this way. And uh, my suspicion is that those pastors have similar opportunities. Um, I think that some people are just looking for a fight. Uh, you know, the government says you can't have church anymore, and they throw up their hands and say, I knew it, I knew this day was coming, and so now they're going to resist. The ones <coughs> that I've spoken to indirectly very much have added to that all kinds of conspiracy theory thought to justify the fact that they're having church even though they've been encouraged not to. I'll go back to, again, all of that is between that pastor and the Lord. He's going to have to deal with the authorities in that way. For myself, being able to do this is promoting the submission to the authorities that are over us. And selflessly, we get to consider other people rather than ourselves. You know, my uh, 81-year-old mother lives with me. If, if I disobey and I go out and I'm around people that might be infected, I'm coming back with... A, you know, being a carrier and potentially threatening her health and her life. I need to consider her, you know, my infant grandson, more than myself and the other people in that environment. I get to communicate in this way, ministering to the body of Christ and remaining in submission to the authorities that God has put in place over me. You know, the conflict... Uh, regarding the subject may grow. Uh, this passage in Acts chapter 5, verse 29, when Peter said with the other apostles, we ought to obey God rather than men, comes from the previous chapter. Acts chapter 4, verse 18, where the <coughs> religious leaders called Peter in and they commanded them not to speak at all, nor to teach in the name of Jesus. We have not been forbidden from preaching. Here I am preaching right now. I, you know, I might be reaching more people via video today than I would if we were just meeting in our church building. It isn't a forbidding of us to preach the gospel. You know, I'll give you another example. You know, people talking about, oh, you know, Bill Gates, and uh, they've got this, you know, plan, and now they're going to give everybody, you know, an implanted chip, and, you know, that's the mark of the beast, and all these different things. I have no idea, you know, how or when those things are going to unfold. We know from Revelation that... The beast is going to make everyone take a mark. It'll be very obvious when that is and what that is. Because it tells us that no one 
will be able to buy, sell, or trade without that mark. Clearly, where we are today, many precursors to that are conditioning our culture towards accepting that mind frame, but none of those things are the mark of the beast. The fact that we have a debit card, the fact that we have electronic money and methods of universal worldwide money doesn't make that the mark of the beast because I can still buy, sell, and trade without having any of those things in my possession. There are clearly defined outlines within the scripture that if we chase after the fear, chase after the conspiracy, we're nullifying the word of God in the process. What did Paul tell us? The Lord has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of love and a sound mind. That, that's what the Lord has imparted to us. Love and a sound mind, not fear. Whenever somebody's given me a message that causes fear in my heart, I instantly know where the message came from. You know, my enemy wants that in my life. Christ doesn't deliver, you know, that disturbing, lay awake at night, mind consumed with all of the thought process. Christ doesn't do that. When I sit down and read the Word of God before I go to bed, I sleep peacefully. When I, when I listen to preaching and sermons as I drift off to sleep, I wake up refreshed. When I'm sitting up and reading some conspiracy and letting that fear and torment enter my heart, it robs me of the peace that Christ has provided me with. Wasn't that what Paul said in the very beginning of his message to Timothy? Was that his message, you know, the grace, mercy, and peace that comes from Jesus Christ our Lord. This is our gospel message. Peter is saying, you know, we're going to obey God rather than you. When it comes to the point where the authorities that are over us are saying you can no longer preach Jesus Christ at all. That's when we know, okay, now I'm being given the ultimatum of obey God or obey man. Uh, right now, I can simultaneously obey God and obey man. I'm doing it by talking to this camera and anyone who's watching. When it comes to the point where I can no longer preach Jesus Christ at all, now I've entered into that realm where I have to consider obeying God rather than man. There are uh, you know, so many other things to say in regard to what it is that the Lord has to say to us. <coughs> Excuse me. The, uh, the, the fact that uh, the Lord wants us to trust his word. You know, Peter tells us uh, there in 2 Peter that he had been on the Mount of Transfiguration and he had seen the glory of Jesus Christ as he was transfigured before them. And then he points out that we have the more faithful word of prophecy. That experience, as powerful as it was, Peter points at the Word of God and says that is more trustworthy than the experience we had when we saw Jesus Christ transfigured before our very eyes. That's a powerful statement because so many people within Christianity want to cling to the fantastic and the experiential rather than trusting in the Word of God. Rather than making this the sure foundation that they hold to, they trust to things outside of God's Word. My encouragement as I close this morning is this. Return to the, the sure-fired foundation of God's Word. Depart from the spirit of fear that is in the world all around us. Let your heart rest in the peace that Jesus Christ creates. If you're a person that has been promoting this mind frame, don't feel condemned. Don't feel you know, like somehow you should be ashamed. Just stop. Once again, let your heart turn back 
to embracing Christ and hold to the message of God's Word. This, this um, mind frame is going to become more and more important as every day passes. Uh, we may see our world recover from this illness and all that it has generated in a very short period of time. Um, I have no idea, but you know the potential is there. And, and when we do recover, we don't want to fall back asleep spiritually and just fall back into the same old ruts that we've been in for who knows how long. But let this be a thing that sparks your heart and mind towards clinging to the truth of God's Word and promoting that in the world and the culture around you rather than generating fear, which so many people are primed for right now. Let it be the hope of Jesus Christ that you share with the world, your co-workers, your fellow students, uh, your neighbors, your friends, uh, the stranger on the street. Let it be the hope of Jesus Christ that you share with them. Amen? So let's, let's take a moment and pray to close, and then we'll uh, you know, go and let the Lord use us uh, however He may see fit in the coming days. Father, I thank You again for Your love. I thank You again for the accuracy of Your Word, and I pray, Lord, that You'd help each one of us to embrace this idea of truth. That your word, your, your scripture says, uh, let God be true and every man a liar. And we are. Uh, falsehood is part of our existence, Lord. We, we have to confess that, that we fall to it very easily. Help us to be men and women that just submerge ourselves into your word. That when people experience us, what they would experience is truth. Not the stereotypical hysteria and fear, worry, and concern. Lord, stabilize us. Make us representatives of you and your characteristics. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.